uh, Tuesday nights here at Calvary Baptist Church, and we'd like to know a little bit about it. And um, so, Cynthia, maybe uh, oh, you you got everything ready to go here. I'm just going to hand you the mic and let you talk a little bit about what you guys are doing on Tuesday nights, okay? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Cynthia, and um, it is my privilege to be on staff here at Calvary Baptist Church. And I just wanted to um, kind of let you know what we do on Tuesday nights. We have a great women's um, Bible this Friday is Veterans Day. So I want to ask uh, for all of you veterans, those who, anyone who, veterans here who served, I know Greg is one, uh, he's a Navy man. And uh, so all the veterans, would you please stand? We want to acknowledge you for your service to our country. Amen. Amen. God. And uh, thirdly, thirdly, and by the and, and thank you, uh, dear, for putting the flags for Veterans Day. Thirdly, I want to acknowledge. Uh, I think we have some slides that we're going to show and of the fall festival. We had a fall festival on. I don't know how many we got, how many pictures we got. That's it. All right. All right. Okay, you guys, that is fantastic. All right. So now this is the last. Oh, I forgot. Mary, could you bring me a bulletin? This is the last of our in our series of Calvary's core value. We've gone over five. There's six of them, and uh, so if you turn over in your bulletin, the, we've, let's just review a little bit. The ones we've gone over is the value of prayer, the value of worship, the value of uh, discipleship, value of fellowship, and the value of evangelism. And sixth, and, and finally uh, today, is the, the value of preaching and teaching the Word of God. So what I'd like to do, I want to read the paragraph right underneath the uh, head, heading there. And then, if you'll read aloud with me, we'll read the sentence right above it that's underlined, okay? And it says this. It says, we are committed to public worship in which God's word is preached and taught. We are also committed to small group Bible study for all ages. The Bible tells us, one, how to become a child of God. Two, what a child of God should believe. Three, how a child of God is expected to live. And four, what a child of God is supposed to be doing. We expect church members to faithfully attend weekly worship in a small group. Okay, and then if you'll read with me the under uh, sentence right above that. Uh, we'll read this out loud. Are you ready? Here we go. How you God's word and how his word truth impacts our lives. I can mess that up, but yes, amen, amen. We value God's word. Thank you, uh, Jacob, for bringing me a couple. Thank you, Lord, leaders on this Friday. Okay. Um, you know, the Bible...
How's it coming? Oh, right. Here we go. Hey, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, the Bible has been called the world's most dangerous book. This week, we've been hearing a lot in the news about North Korea and their military threat. Well, to countries like North Korea, the Bible is a threat. Um, it might surprise you to know there are countries in the world today owning a Bible can get you killed. There's a story in the Wall Street Journal. It says this. It says in the 1950s and 60s, the dictator of North Korea, mostly eradicated Christianity from their country. But it says today in North Korea, Christianity is on the rise. Now it says that's a problem for the, the, the dictators. It's a problem because the only worship permitted in North Korea is worship of the Kim family dictators. They worship their dictator. Christians have been executed in North Korea for their faith uh, in front of a firing squad. There's one moving story of a Christian family who hid their one and only Bible in a magpie it was perched in a tree in their front yard. A neighbor came along and cut the branch of that magpie uh, nest. The Bible fell out, and as a result, uh, three generations of Christians disappeared. One uh, refugee words it this way, they went to a place of no return. They paid with their lives because they had the word of life, God's word, the Bible. Bible is in a danger to dictators like the ones in North Korea because it threatens their authority. You see, for the Christian, the Bible is the ultimate authority. It's the ultimate authority because it, it's been given to us by God. In it, the God of the universe makes his thoughts known to us. He communicates to us. He blesses us with his word. Abraham Lincoln, widely known as the greatest president in our history, had this to say about the Bible. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. It is a gift, isn't it? It's a gift that we value because it's been given to us by the goodness of God and it's been given to us to be, we're to re, as we receive the word of God, as we believe the word of God, we are impacted by the word of God in our lives. And that's what we value. The, how God's word impacts our lives. What's the purpose of God's word? It's to do, to impact our lives, to impact our lives. God himself describes his word as rain coming down from heaven, snow coming down from heaven, to, that's the earth, and, and causes things to grow, causes life to grow. Let me read to you in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. It says this, God speaking. He says, my word that goes forth from my mouth, 
will not return to me empty, but will accomplish uh, what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You see, God's word comes out from, it, from God and it returns to God and it doesn't return without accomplishing its purpose. God has a purpose for his word. God has a purpose for his word. And it is to, one of the purposes, you know, one of the purposes of God's word is to instruct us and to instruct us. So we're going to look at three Three instructions this morning from God's word that he has given to impact our lives. And so we'll look at those now. And it's in the back. The first way that God has given his word to instruct us is to instruct us in salvation. In your uh, bulletin, in, in, in your bulletin, one of our, it says this, uh, as, as far as the number one there uh, of our values, the Bible tells us, I'm looking at the values paragraph there in the middle of it. The Bible tells us how to become a child of God. How to become a child of God. You know, in the Old Testament, before Jesus was born, the nation of Israel was captured by an, a, 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 the Babylonians. The nation of Israel was rebellious against God, and he warned them, he gave them a chance, but they would not repent. So God allowed the nation of Babylon to come and to capture the, the, the nation of Israel or the nation of Judah, southern portion. And the, the nation, they, they brought them into captivity for 70 years. 70 years of captivity. After that 70 years, there was a new king. There was a new king that allowed the Judeans to go back to their nation of Judah, to their capital of Jerusalem, and they did. Nehemiah was the governor. Ezra was the priest. And they rebuilt the city. And under Nehemiah's leadership, they rebuilt the wall around the city. And after they rebuilt the wall around the city, Nehemiah made a call to all the villages, to all the cities around Jerusalem. He says, I want you all to come to Jerusalem. Meet, meet me, and meet us in front of the temple. And so they did. And uh, Ezra, who was the priest, met with them there. And the people asked Ezra to bring out the book of the law, the law that God had given Moses, the word of God. So Ezra came with these great scrolls uh, where, that had the word of the Lord written upon them, and he stood upon a platform, a high, high platform, wooden platform they made just for this occasion. And he, un and he unrolled the, the scrolls, and he began to read. Now, if you have a Bible, you'd like to turn there with me. It's in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is uh, right before the book of Psalms, before the book of Job, and Esther and, and Nehemiah. So if you get the Psalms, take a left, and uh, it's, right before, uh, it's right before the Psalms, okay? So uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8 we're in. Give you a second to get there. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 5. I'm going to read from Nehemiah 8, 5, and it says, it says this. It says, Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing high above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. 
They stood up. Do you see it there? That's where we get the idea of standing for the reading of the Word of God. It's an act of worship. It's an act of respect. It shows you the value that you place on God's Word. So they stood, and verse 3 said they stood from the break of day till noon, six hours. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, we could tie three hymns. We were ready to sit down. <laughs> six hours standing, listening, patiently and attentively. Now, there were other people on that platform with uh, Ezra. They were called Levites. They were another a priestly class. And Ezra had already briefed them on what to do. So when he, st- when he started reading aloud so everybody could hear it, these Levites would, would s- explain. Maybe he'd read a sentence at a time, and they'd stop, and they'd explain everything to the, to the people so they would understand God's word. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. It's in verse, uh, uh, where are we? It's in, it's in verse 8. In verse 8, it says this, about the, middle of ver- about the middle of verse 8, or beginning with verse 8. It says, they read, talking about the Levites, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear, in other words, explaining it, and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Okay? So they were there to help, to assist, to, to, to explain, to explain things. And then once they heard it, once they heard it, they, were list- they understood God's word, they realized, they, they, they realized their violations of God's word. They were listening, and they began to weep. And they began to cry because they understood their sin. They understood how they had not fulfilled God's word. They were distressed over their disobedience. They were thinking about the consequences of sin and the captivity they had just gone through. And in the middle of their weeping, Nehemiah told them, stop, stop. Verse 10. Uh, Nehemiah, uh, uh, verse 9 rather, in the middle of verse 9 it says, Nehemiah says, this day is holy to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah, verse 10, says, Go, enjoy the food and sweet drinks. Send, send some home to those who have not prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Don't grieve, but for the joy, you know this one, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so they did. Let's take a look at verse 12. How did they respond to this? Verse 12, then all the people went away and they ate and they drank and they sent portions of food to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. They understood God's word. You see, they understood, first of all, it's true, God does punish sin. But then they also understood that it's true, God blesses obedience. And God, by His grace, was giving them a new beginning. They weren't all destroyed in Babylon. They were all, a remnant was able to come back, and they were now having a new beginning with God. You know, God's Word, God's word reveals to us our sin, does it not? It reveals that we've fallen short, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yes, we should weep, just like the Judeans. But not, not leave it there. Not leave it there. The Bible says, you know, when we turn to him in repentance, in repentance and, and, and in belief, 
we can receive the grace gift. Uh, the the, 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 the uh, Judeans were given a, a grace gift. They have a new beginning. You and I have a grace gift to receive. When we turn to Jesus Christ, we can receive the grace gift of, sal of salvation and eternal life, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a grace gift. It's a new beginning. Uh, we can have a new beginning by turning to Jesus. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, all things have become new. There's a new beginning to be received in receiving Jesus Christ. So the first way that God instructs us in, through his word is to instruct us in salvation. Number two. The second instruction that God gives us is it, it, it instructs us in sound doctrine. Doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is the essential core belief of the faith. It's the essential core belief of what you believe. In our, in our, in our, in our outline here, in our values paragraph, it says, number two, the Bible tells us what a child of God is should believe what a child of God one of the essential what you should believe one of the essential doctrines of the Christian faith is the doctrine of the Bible itself the, the doctrine of what's called the inspiration of Scripture that, that it's inspired by God that it's guided by God in the writing of his word uh, King James version heard about King James this morning Sunday school <laughs> King James says this in 2 Timothy verse three, uh, chapter 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now the word inspiration there literally means, some of you know this, God breathed. Or in other words, breathed out by God. That's exactly how the New International uh, uh, Translation translates it. And I'll read it to you. I'll read it. By the way, that's what I'm preaching out of, incidentally. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Uh, New, New International Version. In, in, in the 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's God-breathed. God's Word is God-breathed. The scripture. So when the scripture speaks, God speaks. God's, uh, God was in control of the writing of his word. Now, the belief in the Bible as a literal word of God is declining in America, sadly. Gallup poll recently said only 24% of Americans believe that the Bible is a literal word of God. Only 24%. 26% of, uh, of Americans believe it's fables, legends, and history written by man. The Bible. The Bible as, as the inspired Word of God. What is the evidence? What is the evidence that the Bible is God's Word? We're going to look at it. There's internal and there's external. Internally, there is the unity of Scripture. Many people do not realize the Bible is not just one book. The Bible was written 66 books over a period of 1,500 years. 
Uh, it, it was written by 40 different authors in three different languages. But in spite of the fact, even though that it was written in different languages, by different people in different centuries and in different literary styles, there is one unifying story. The story is this, that there is one God. He's the creator, the savior, and he's the judge. The story is this, that he, there is a, that man, the nature of man is, 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 is the same in, in, in all these centuries that have written. The same man is created in the image of God, but he has fallen. He's a fallen sinner. They, they tell us, they all agree about the Son of God, even the prophecy of the Son of God, that his death on the cross was significant, and it brought us reconciliation, peace with God. And they all agree with this, that God is in charge of history, and he's working through creation to accomplish his purpose. So, there are internal evidences. That's number one. Number two, the evidence of prophecy. Prophecy. Speaking forth words of the future that, 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 that unfold. That unfold. God himself, Isaiah chapter 44, uh, verse 6, God himself points to prophecy as an evidence of his word. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 6 and 7, it says this. Middle of verse 6, it says this. I am the first, I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. I'm skipping down to the end of verse 7. Let him proclaim what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. One of the evidences of Scripture, and there are 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ written hundreds of years before he was born that were fulfilled in his life in entirety. Prophecy of Scripture. You know the name Sir Isaac Newton, one of the founders of modern science. He invented calculus. He discovered gravity. Sir Isaac Newton was fascinated by biblical, biblical prophecy. It, after he died, they found in an attic at Cambridge University hundreds of his unpublished manuscripts. And what they found in this discovery was most of what Sir Isaac Newton wrote was about biblical prophecy. He wrote more about prophecy than he did about science. Sir Isaac Newton was a Christian. Biblical prophecy, internal evidence. So there is internal evidence for the God, the word, God's word being what it is. And there is a growing uh, mountain of external evidence. And that external evidence I'm speaking of is archaeology. Archaeology. Countless of discoveries have been made that verify the text of the Scripture. Reader's Digest did a story called, Is the Bible True? And in this story, in this article, they, they, they say this, and I quote, In extraordinary ways, modern, modern archaeology is affirming the historical core of the Old and New Testaments, supporting key portions of crucial biblical stories. You see, the more they dig, the more they find in Bible lands. They've been doing that for about 150 years now. 
the more they the more they dig, the more they find. They're finding they're finding uh, evidence that supports biblical references to people, places, and events that took place thousands of years ago. Evidence in the Bible, the uh, things that the Bible records that they're now finding evidence for. So then, God instructs us in the sound doctrine and the foundational doctrine of the Christian faith is the inspiration of the Bible. Every other doctrine is built on that doctrine. If the Bible isn't true, everything else isn't true. So that's got to be the core. That's the foundation. There is convincing evidence of the inspiration of God's Word. The Bible is God-breathed just like He says it is. We value how God's Word impacts our life by instructing us in sound doctrine. Not only does it instruct us in salvation, not only does it instruct us in sound doctrine, but third and finally, it instructs us in our direction. In our direction. And it instructs us. If you look at your paragraph again, your values paragraph, number three and four in that paragraph, it says this. It says the Bible uh, it says the Bible tells us how, number three, how a child of God is to be expected to live. And number four, what a child of God is supposed to be doing. It instructs us in our direction. So how are we to live? So how are we to live? Uh, what direction are we to be taking? Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It gives us the, it helps us make the decisions we need to make and the directions that we need to take. God's word. God's word gives us direction. He directs us. Somebody says, somebody asks the question, well, aren't God's, uh, uh, you know, there are reasons. God has commands in his word. There are reasons for those commands. Somebody asks this question. Aren't commands, uh, uh, aren't they constricting? Aren't the commands, you know, don't, don't they, uh, you know, aren't they constricting to us? Don't, don't they constrict us? Well, in his book, Right from Wrong, Josh McDowell talks about that question. He answers that question. He says this. He says, many people react to God's law the way young people react to, to my rules about seatbelts. <laughs> they see his commands as constricting or constraining, in other words. They, they, they think the biblical morality is confining. You know, they lose, lose your freedom. They don't see the biblical, the benefits of, moral, of a moral lifestyle. M McDowell says this. They need, to help, they need help recognizing that God's commands, like those of a loving parent, do not touch the stove. Look, look, uh, uh, look both ways across the street before you go. Uh, eat your vegetables. Well, I know about that one. <laughs> As a kid, I had a hard time with that one. Eat your vegetables. You know, these are not meant, he said, to spoil our fun or make us miserable. God gave us his commands, such as flee from sexual immorality. Husbands, love your wives. Uh, you shall not commit adultery. And all other commands, because he wanted to protect, to protect us and to provide for us. He gave those commands, he says, because he knew some things we didn't. He knew, for example, sexual immorality is a path not to pleasure and fulfillment, but to emptiness and frustration. 
Moses acknowledged, he says, this truth, which he had challenged the nation of Israel. And I'm reading from Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 13. Moses said, now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and to keep the Lord's commands. Listen now, which I am commanding to you today for your good. God's commandments are for our good. God gave us those commands because he wants to protect us, because he wants us to provide for us. Are they constricting? No. 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 They're not constricting, therefore are good. Therefore are good. There, there, there is warnings against transgressing God's commandments, and there are rewards for fulfilling God's commandments. Uh, uh, Psalm 19, verse 11. King David is talking about the commandments of God. He says, in them is your servant warned, but in keeping them there is great reward. God's word, the instruction of his word. The direction of his word. But isn't God, somebody says, isn't God's word outdated? Well, yes, it is. It is outdated. If you're talking about sacrificial laws, like bringing an animal to sacrifice, those are outdated. That's Old Testament. But if you're talking about moral laws, those are eternal. God's moral laws are eternal. Psalm chapter 119, verse 89, says it this way. Psalm 119, verse 89, it says this. It says, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. God's moral law is eternal. His truths apply across all generations. Through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, to us today. You know, back in the Old Testament, there was a time in the book of Judges where they had no king. And the Bible says that everyone, they had, no, they had no moral compass. Everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. They made up their own moral rules. They followed their own desires instead of God's direction in their lives. That sound, that sound familiar? Uh-huh. You know, just what's happening today, isn't it? Just what's happening today. But to true freedom. To live in the full, true freedom to live in the fullness of life comes from following God's word. Not only his written word, but his living word. The living word, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is the word, gave us his word to make us free. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus speaking. John says this in John 8, 31, uh, Jesus speaking. He says, if you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. The truth will set you free. Following Jesus' words is our map on the road to freedom. Uh, on the road to freedom. Have you found that road? Have you found that road? The commands that God gives in his word do not constrict us. They free us. They free us to follow him, him who loves us, him who protects us, him who provides for us. God's word, God's word. We value how God's word impacts our lives. It impacts us by instructing us in those three ways. First, it instructs us in salvation. 
you know, like the people of Judah heard the word read by Ezra. They knew they had fallen short, but they knew. They, they knew they had fallen short of the Lord, but they, by His grace, they were given a new beginning. You and I have a new beginning when we put our trust in Jesus. When we put our trust in, in, the, in the Lord and find His forgiveness, because there is no salvation without forgiveness. Forgiveness is required. Second, God's Word instructs us in sound doctrine. All Christian doctrine is built on the one foundational doctrine of His Word. The inspiration of His Word. God's Word is the thoughts of God Himself. It is, and the evidence of his, its, its inspiration is internal and external. Third, God's Word instructs us in our direction. His moral commands are for our good. They're eternal, and they set us free. We value God's Word. It's the Christian's ultimate authority because it communicates the Word of God. It is the most dangerous book in the world to dictators of the world. Why? Because it, it only allows for worship uh, and ultimate allegiance to the God who speaks through the book. The God who speaks through the book. So they want to eradicate the book. God said, my word will not return to me empty, but will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. That purpose is to instruct us in the ways of the Lord. Will you follow them? Follow them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word. That instructs us. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the living word who, who, who died for our sins and rose again, that we could have a new beginning in life. And we could have a new beginning every day as we find your forgiveness and follow you along your way, the way you want, through the guidance of your word and the leading of your spirit. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord, to, to see your light your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Help us to follow your word. Hold your word in our hearts. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lead us, Lord, to be good disciples, Lord Jesus, of you by listening to your word, reading your word, meditating on your word. Lead us. We thank you. In your name we pray.